Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. On this podcast, we talk about lasting healing from divorce, trauma, and loss through Jesus Christ, because healing and true redemption have already been extended by a good God. Sometimes he's inviting us to partner with him and receive that healing for ourselves. My name is Ellie Hope Collins, and I'm the host of this podcast, founder of HopeReclaimedMinistries.com, and a coach for individuals healing from divorce, trauma, and loss. In 2016, I discovered my ex-husband's long-term affair, and I was totally broken. Although I was desperate for a restored marriage, that's not what happened. But it wasn't until I chose to go back to every restaurant, listen to every song, and relive every memory that reminded me of my marriage and truly surrender everything to God that I really began to live a reclaimed life. And I'm now on a mission to help men and women just like you see true and lasting healing through Jesus. Whether you're experiencing the painful effects of divorce, grieving the death of a spouse, or beginning to accept the loss of a dream, you're in the right place. Complete healing and restoration is possible. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our series on motherhood today. And in this episode, I am talking with Ashley Puller, who is a postpartum nurse. And she has some amazing perspectives on the beauty of the season of postpartum, as well as some of the ups and downs that come with that season. And in this episode, you're going to hear my raw processing. (laughs) Um, When I was listening to this episode and, and editing it myself, I was like, ugh. This is a little cringy, but I hope that it gains some perspective for you that we're all in process with things. And if you are in a season of postpartum right now and you're struggling, I hope that you find some hope and encouragement in this episode. So a little bit about my guest today, Ashley. Ashley Puller is a wife and a mother of three children aged five and under. She has spent her career as a nurse in the postpartum and pediatric fields and is recently taking off time to be at home with her kids. Ashley is currently leading a community at her her church for women entering and living into their season of postpartum adjustment. Her desire is to empower women with the knowledge needed to take care of themselves and fall in love with their babies as they embrace all the opportunities that the season holds. She is also a pro-life advocate and intercessor seeking ways to support women in crisis pregnancies throughout their births and child rearing. So, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Ashley Puller. So let's get into this episode. Enjoy. Hey there, Ashley. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. Hi, Ellie. Thank you. This is such a pleasure. I'm so excited for you to be here. And we're going to, we're just going to dive into some awesome and maybe some challenging things around postpartum today. I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So uh, this is just going to be great. You know, what, what's so interesting to me about this topic, like when I, when I was pregnant and before, before I got to meet my beautiful daughter, postpartum was this thing that I was like, when I thought about postpartum, I thought about postpartum depression and like, that that was a thing that like, maybe some people experience, but, um, and then people were like, Oh, it's the fourth trimester and like all this stuff. And I'm like, meh, whatever. I'll just prepare for my birth. Like I put a ton of time and effort into, and like mindset things into preparing for my birth of Mm -hmm. my daughter and not a lot of time (laughs) preparing just full transparency, preparing for postpartum and for this whole other time. And I just think that's, it's so important. And now that I'm here and I am postpartum, I'm like, man, I could have, I could have been way more prepared for this season of my life. 
Yeah, I think that that's the that's almost everyone's experience. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, we we do spend hours, and we you know we go to classes to prepare ourselves for childbirth, and then maybe we go to one on breastfeeding. And breastfeeding is only a small part of postpartum anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think most women just assume like, yeah, well, the baby will be there. I'm done changing and we'll just kind of figure it out day by day. And that that is a plan, but it's not the best plan. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Why are you so passionate about postpartum and talking yeah. about this topic? Absolutely. So there's a lot of reasons. And I think, I think as I study the postpartum period in women, I get like more excited, like day by day. What I think the, the biggest part of postpartum that gets me excited is um, just that a woman has chosen life, that Mm -hmm. there's this amazing couplet that is now unique to the world um, that yeah, that just wouldn't exist if she hadn't chosen to, to parent her child and to, um, to say yes to that opportunity from the Lord. Um, and so I, I love postpartum because I think it's kind of a missing piece in my just greater view of, of being someone who's very, um, pro-life that there's just kind of that lack of support on this side of birth. While a woman is Mm. pregnant, it's very easy to say what she needs and how she's changing and growing. You can see how you can come alongside her, but on the other side of that, you're kind of invisible. You can completely not be noticed that you're postpartum because it's, it's this hidden thing. And so I have just such a heart to, um, to empower women on that side of birth and to just bring awareness to the continued and ongoing support that's needed because it's actually a lot harder to have that child than it is to just be pregnant and bear it. Um, That's so true. That that gets flipped around. Like we think, oh, you know, you're sacrificing your body because there's this baby growing inside. And what you may not realize is welcome to more and more sacrifices yeah. um, to your body and to your time and your energy. And so we need to honor women on this, um, on the postpartum side of, of child rearing. Um, and yeah, so I that's, just love to do that. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. And also there's another in the, in this podcast series too, we've talked a little bit about infant loss and mm-hmm. stillbirth as well. And I even think of, um, mothers that choose to place their babies in, um, in a, another home, they're yeah. also experiencing postpartum yes. in a different, in a different way of not having their babies with them. Yeah. So I want to, I also want to be honoring of those women that are experiencing postpartum that may not be cuddling their babies every night. You know, I love what you're saying though, that, that they, they are choosing life. They're choosing, um, this sacrificial, um, moment of, of giving yourself to this other person, this new yes. little life. Whether yeah. That, what, yeah. yeah. I what, think what, the, we, we think the pinnacle of that, like sacrifice and pain is like pushing your baby out, but yeah. actually like, <laughs> The transition to motherhood days and weeks and months Mm. after you've given birth are as intense, if not more than that birth. So, um, yeah, but it doesn't have that same, like, I don't know, like this pinnacle moment of people, people honoring it. Like, yeah, like we need to be honoring and celebrating the moms that are like two months postpartum. They're getting up with their babies. Like, 
a million times a night, you know, and right. yes, unfortunately, it doesn't have that same most, glory of, of delivery. <laughs> yes. Yes. Most meal trains and support for moms ends at like six weeks and you're yeah. like, Whoa, that's like, that's just the beginning. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's just so much more, um, yeah, changes that happen. Um, so yeah, even to just like speak about some of those, um, yeah, please those things, like I'm kind of a biology and physiology geek. Um, I should probably mention in this podcast, I'm a postpartum nurse. Yes, you are. It'd be worth mentioning here. That is important. There's an (laughs) expertise to this and that will be in your intro before this, before this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So what I love is that like, I can look at postpartum and see like from a biological standpoint that God has designed um, mothers to support babies. So not only Mm. do our bodies change when we're pregnant to support the growing, you know, in utero phase, but they continue to change and continue to be supportive of those infants and one-year-old and two-year-olds and really, um, yeah, throughout our, our kids' childhood. Um, and so just seeing that like unique, um, design from the Lord, um, is just something that gives me so much awe and wonder. And I just think, man, I just want to give God glory for like how cool it is that his intentions were put into the female breast and how complicated that organ is and how it's so connected to your brain and how then your brain is connected to your emotions and your feelings and your perceptions and, Um, the choices that you go to make because of the way you're feeling that day. And so anyways, it's just all so connected. And I'm somebody who really loves to see connections. And yeah, physiology was just like my jam in nursing school because that's it's, awesome. it's just those hidden things that I love to see like revealed. And so bringing yeah. light to that is something that I'm just passionate about because um, I think it does bring us back to worshiping our creator instead of like the creation. It's like, yeah, we're really cool, but somebody designed us like this. Right. And yeah, mothers are like, they are the coolest. I was going to curse on your show. <laughs> <laughs> we're BA, but like, yeah, we totally, <laughs> somebody is, somebody like gave us the strength wow. to do that. And yeah, it gave us this cool ability. We don't just breastfeed and grow our children because we want to or because mm-hmm. we like think through it on a complex level. It just it just happens because we're we're just made that way. And there's that connection too with your baby, which is like yeah. so wild that that it's where we're like a, there's a communication. And I'm I mean, I'm talking with the growth, the growth of the baby and even labor yeah. and delivery is like about the it's basically your baby that tells, that tells your body when it's time to yes. wait, like, let's get out of here, you know? And then, and then that marked with, um, with breastfeeding too. It's like, it's just all these beautiful connections and how cool is it that God designed it that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it so is. Well, it's, I would love for you to talk just a little bit more about some of those some of those changes physically yeah. that happen, um, because it is a very physical response. I mean, your body is not the same as it was after you gave or before you gave birth. And it's all, it's very much not the same before you got pregnant. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think the most like obvious part of how you physically change is that like immediate recovery. So you mentioned that sometimes when we think of postpartum, there's even the misnomer of, oh, postpartum means you're depressed. Yep. But like postpartum is actually the phase after you give birth until 
conservatively actually one year. I still consider myself postpartum. Um, I'm my daughter's 15 months old, but I'm still breastfeeding and I'm not pregnant with my next child. And so mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm in between things. I'm still postpartum. So it's yeah. really kind of this like everything after the birth of your child. Um, and yeah, so one of those huge the first big change is that a healing needs to take place. Um, I, you know, after the birth of your child, you have this open wound in your uterus and mm-hmm. it's very obvious what you need in that phase. You need to rest, you need to eat well, and you need to nourish your child and be nourished. Um, and so while you're physically recovering from birth, whether that was a C-section or a vaginal delivery, whether it was super easy and painless or whether it was quite long and traumatic, um, there's in either way, there's a healing that needs to take place. Um, and like a refilling up of, of just your body's stores and, um, energy and blood. And so it's this really like intense physical, um, phase immediately after, I would say that's like when people, you know, medical experts talk about postpartum, they are talking about those six weeks where you're like physically healing. Um, but beyond that, there's, you know, I mentioned it's kind of more like a forever or an everything after. And mm-hmm. so another part that I um, kind of geek out about is how your brain is actually changing. And so this one, you might not consciously think of as it's changing or you don't really know how to heal it or how to um, care for this organ like mm-hmm. you do, you know, <laughs> the one that just pushed the baby out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, your brain isn't bleeding, thankfully, but um, there's so much happening. Um, and Are one you talking things- about like mommy brain? Yes, that's it. Mommy <laughs> brain, baby brain. Yeah. Um, it gets such a bad rap in our culture because it's so attached to like the stigma of forgetfulness yeah. and um just kind of like flightiness, just almost like you're just not quite here. It's like body. my keys are in the refrigerator kind Absolutely. of thing. Yeah. Yes. Why on earth did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And some of those stories like every, every mom has one of like, what on earth, like, do I need at the grocery store? Why am I here? Or, yeah. you know, just it, it's happened. It happens. It's real. Um, but what I like to highlight is that that's actually an opportunity. So what your brain is really doing, yes, it's shrinking. That's proven. You can see on MRIs, um, actually did like blindly, you can say who has had a baby. Um, if you're looking at women's brains, so it's physically detectable. Yes. It's physically detectable forever that your brain changes once you've become pregnant. And from the time that you conceive till about two years after your brain has shrunk. And so it's actually becoming more efficient because if you think about how many new neural pathways you need to develop in order to take care of a newborn, you have to sustain it. You have to learn your baby's cries and faces and the communication of a nonverbal child. I mean, it's like, that's so challenging. It takes so much of our brain work and energy. And so it's this really turning to of your baby that's really necessary for the survival of your infant. Um, so that's kind of maybe the, the shrinking part of it, but on the other side is this huge neuroplasticity. So being having neuroplasticity is really just like the way of saying God gave your 
brain grace to change. So it's easy easy in this season um, to have new thinking. Um, Hmm. Our brains are neuroplastic when we're young and developing and learning language and all that stuff. And then when we go through um, puberty, And then women who choose to become pregnant have a third chance. Um, And it's in this phase of of giving birth that we have the next most neuroplastic opportunity for our brains. So what Um, you're, what what I'm hearing you say is that basically your, your brain is shrinking so that you're not, that it can grow. So it can grow. Yes. (laughs) So it can grow and it can learn how to care for a person, a teeny tiny person. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I think so too. Um, and I'd like to think of that as an opportunity. Um, Hmm. and yeah, anytime that I can like take back what I think our culture takes away from women and saying, Oh, like, let's just forget about the mom for a couple of years because she's flighty. It's like, wait a minute. I'm actually becoming empowered to, to tune to another human being and to myself in a whole new way. So with each child that we have, not only do they change us because they're a new human and we you know, learn to love them, but how we show up to that child is changes us as well. Um, and you know, how that how we go through that pregnancy and that birth, these are all like huge, um, milestones in and markers for our brain. Um, and it kind of unfolds us in a new way. So there's just these, these actual opportunities that I love that the Lord has actually given us to, to become empowered and better versions of ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be this, this negative thing, like, or getting frustrated with ourselves because again, we forgot that our, you know, we forgot the doctor's appointment or something like that, but actually saying, okay, well, this is the way that my brain is responding to learning this new person Mm -hmm. and, and adjusting to myself too. So I, I, I love how you're saying that, that it is, it is an opportunity to actually be empowered. Yeah. Yeah. And to really give yourself credit for all the things that you've just done. I think, you know, if we looked at what a mother was doing in her room or in her home with her baby, it would maybe not actually look like a lot, but Mm -hmm. if you took, if you kind of, if you could say the home environment was one onion, I would say the environment of like her mind and her spirit is another layer of that onion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what, is an opportunity in postpartum is to actually narrow our focus and say, okay, so I can't actually go out and do everything, but there are some things that I can do really, really well. And so I've already mentioned that our minds are turning towards our infants. Um, and that is one thing that, you know, we're doing really well. But if we also look at how we relate with, with God, Um, this isn't necessarily the season of our lives where we're going to say, wow, I'm home. I have time. I'm going to read the whole Bible on my maternity leave. (laughs) That would be like, I mean, maybe you're going to say that might not be the best for sure. Yeah. You might think it, (laughs) but heavens. No, that's, that is not the time to get through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, none of those (laughs) things. I mean, not even like, let's hold off. I mean, there's a lot of books, maybe just 
let's get to some Psalms, you yep. know, let's go meditate through. on Psalm 23, just yes. like the basics. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, yeah. this is the season to just like get really narrow with the Lord and say, how do you want me to remember you in this season? And to just, maybe you memorize a chapter or just yeah. like three verses in that season, but they're like, um, they get to become these pillars that you go back to from this postpartum season that like became so real and so fleshed mm. out because again, we're becoming, um, more efficient and more concentrated. Mm. So we get to kind of, yeah, I would say just explore some, a couple of things really deeply. Um, and, and another thing that I think is an opportunity for us as women to do after we've had our babies is to kind of awaken ourselves emotionally. Um, I don't know what your first birth was like, um, but after I had my first daughter, I had a completely new relationship with my emotions um, because I had so many more of them. It's and so true. <laughs> Right. Um, I feel like my first postpartum experience was like just very awakening for me. Um, I would say not that I was like the classic person who didn't, you know, experience and feel emotions and push them in the trunk. But that was a lot of me, I would say, Um, just kind of managing things. And you know, after you have a child, you have these oxytocin surges, and then sometimes these pitfalls of oxytocin. And so where one minute you are like on top of the world crying because you're so happy. You can also feel like, I mean, I had some dark baths. It's like, I'm supposed to be healing and soaking. And I felt just alone and yeah deep and dark. And I was like, I need my husband to come in here because this just feels so weird. Yeah. Um, And those ups and downs are pretty normal, but Mm -hmm. because I was experiencing them, I felt like for the first time, I kind of had to just validate myself for the first time and say, is, I think it's actually okay that I'm feeling this way. And what is it telling me about myself? Mm -hmm. And so Um, yeah, just kind of taking the pressure off of, I would say like emotional performance and just like having emotional presence. Oh, that's Um, really good. Taking the pressure off of having emotional performance mm -hmm. and say that, say that last part again. And instead having emotional presence. That's so beautiful. I love that because man, I can so relate that I, I'm not, I'm, I was never the person like crying at the Mm -hmm. movie or whatever that is, that's just not me. Mm -hmm. And man, I cry so much more (laughs) right now. I'm just like, I, you know, it just kind of comes sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait, this is, this doesn't feel like me or like, what is, what is this? But man, to have that, that revelation, like this is actually an awakening time of, of a deeper level of my emotions, a deeper level of who I am basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really feel like ever since having my first kid that I do experience more emotional, like my wavelength for emotions is just broader and yeah. they feel safer. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, so, so you have these, the, you were, you were mentioning these, like these highs of oxytocin, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I remember like bringing my baby home and just like cuddling her 
just doing skin to skin for like hours. We were working on breastfeeding for a long time and just like feeling that like just so much attachment. So like the best feeling, like it was yeah. just like the most amazing high. Like I am it the happiest I've ever been yes. in my entire oh. life. And I've heard people say that so much and I'm like, all right, whatever. But like, oh my gosh, it's so true. It's wild. But then, yeah, like just what you're saying that there is, there are those like dips of that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes those ups and downs aren't necessarily correlated with how things are going. It's just that they are Mm -hmm. like, I remember, I remember times where they really were correlated. Um, and then there are times where like, I actually don't know why I feel sad right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm instead of like overanalyzing this, I'm just gonna like trust that I'm gonna not wake up sad. I might be going to bed feeling kind of sad, yeah. and <laughs> but like, I'm actually just not gonna think about this. And mm-hmm. again, that performance piece of like, I don't think I can figure this out and pressure's off mm. to do that because, um, yeah, just trusting like this must be hormonal because I'm not thinking about anything sad. Yeah. Like nothing bad is really happening to me, but like, this is just like your body's just like, you know, ebbing and flowing yeah. into a normal pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, in those, like, I would say like those dark bathtub moments, I was like, okay, but I also had like, like, yeah, like up in heaven type of like yeah. peace and joy. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, it's okay. I'm going to take them both. Definitely. And just trust. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've had many a conversation with my husband at usually at night when, and I'm, I'm, I was just kind of like, I'm sad tonight. And he's like, why are you sad? And I'm like, I actually don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yep. I know that I don't want to wash my pump parts right now. And uh-huh. that makes me sad. Like thinking about that. So you could do that yeah. for me, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it's just like, yeah, it's just a, a different, you can't necessarily correlate it. And I, yeah. I love what you're saying about the performance piece and just kind of eliminating that because oh my gosh, I just had this expectation of how things would go mm-hmm. and, and how th- as particularly around breastfeeding yeah. and, um, and in like the research and the, what, what I wanted to do, like it just didn't, it didn't mm-hmm. happen in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I took this road of like, okay, I have to do all these things and, and, um, and I'm going to, you know, do the triple feeds and like all this stuff to make that happen. And then getting worried about how that's perceived to other people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if people are going to think that this about me, because I had to supplement with formula and think right. people are going to think this. And I think that of me, like just <laughs> spiraling in this really unhealthy way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time to be, um, getting really hard on yourself. Absolutely. And I think I didn't realize personally how judgmental that I was until I became one and I was being (laughs) judgmental of myself like exactly what you're saying 100% and you think like I this isn't judgmental because it definitely is this black and white yeah and then you're like oh okay so this is parenting it turns out there's a lot of gray (laughs) And you may, like you said, you plan or you expect to do something like exclusively breastfeed or have this type of birth. And then 
something else happens instead. And like, instead of asking why or like feeling bad about Mm -hmm. ourselves, um, I think there's a huge opportunity to just accept grace and say, Mm -hmm. would the Lord judge me for this? Like, no, (laughs) I'm co-sleeping. Is the Lord judging me? He's like, way to love your baby. (laughs) Or if, If you have tried your best to breastfeed, he's like, yeah, I love that you gave it your all. Not like, well, you missed it two hours after birth, you know, like he's just not, um, he's not a condescending God. And I think, um, yeah, what an opportunity for us to experience, uh, grace, self-kindness and self-love and compassion. Like, I mean, once you go through something difficult, you think, would I tell my best friend this? Like, no, I wouldn't judge my Mm. best friend the way that I am talking to myself. Um, And not everybody is self-critical, but I think you don't maybe even realize that you maybe have that until until some expectations aren't met. And it's difficult to not meet those. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of like, oh, we just shouldn't be so judgy on ourselves. It's like, whoa, no, we, I mean, we had like heart and soul poured into these expectations and um, and there is certainly grief that goes through, um, yeah, that, that we experience in not, not meeting those things. Um, and so that, that's where, um, I think our emotions are tied to experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, when, when we don't meet our expectations or when I shouldn't even say that we don't meet them, but just, they're just simply not fulfilled. Right. Um, that could be, it, that could be for uh, so many different reasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, for goodness sakes, like we are not the sole people responsible for how our, our life turns out or yeah. our labors. Um, and so I can't remember where I was going with that. Well, um, yeah. Just, so just, just to the, the emotion part, like, oh, yeah, so, you. so you're, not everything is tied to experiences. Sometimes they are. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, oh crap. Um, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z didn't happen. I feel sad tonight, <laughs> you know? Um, but so, but with that, you know, there's, there's like deep mental health issues that can come out of, that can come out of this postpartum period. Um, there can just be sadness, just, just general, like sadness. Um, but there can also be like really tough, um, mental health issues that come up too. Could you, could you talk about that a bit? And, um, yeah, like why, why is that, why is the correlation between postpartum and people just think of it like immediately they think about depression, Mm -hmm. um, postpartum depression and that, that correlation, um, maybe just address that a little bit. Yeah. So I'll say baby blues are very common. And, yeah. and a lot of what we're talking about, you know, that feeling sad at the end of the night and not knowing why, like that's really simply put, that's baby blues. Yeah. Um, but baby blues go away because like I said, your hormones are going up and down and they're headed towards stable. Um, but it's that after about six weeks, um, around the time that you know, your wound um, in your uterus is nice and healed, those hormones should be pretty close to being buttoned up. Um, and so what's so important is that um, you've talked to your partner or someone that you're seeing a lot if you aren't married to say, if after six weeks, I still seem kind of blue, will you just like 
talk to me about it or encourage mm-hmm. me to call my doctor. Because if you truly are experiencing something more like postpartum depression, you're usually not the first person to notice it, but other people around you do. And so sometimes you need the advocacy of your family to tell you, hey, I, you know, I'm kind of worried about you. Um, so yeah, postpartum depression is sadness that lasts after six weeks um, that feels like you are distracted from child, like your child care responsibilities. Um, a lot of times it's like just kind of that like glossed over kind of just shell appearance. Yeah. Um, and it's really serious. And it's not something to just hope gets better. It's something that you really need to talk to your doctor about because it's treatable and it's not Mm -hmm. scary. And like, there's there's no shame about it because it's actually completely not related to you and your choices or to how much you want to be a mom, to how much you like being a mom. I mean, it, it will affect your, you know, your enjoyment levels, but it's, it's like, it's because you, you can't help it. You almost can't enjoy it more because you have these hormones that are still in a very chaotic um, cycle. And so that's kind of what postpartum depression is. And so, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but so this is, this is more about the, um, the, these aren't necessarily tied to the situation is what you're saying, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is like situations aside, completely situations Mm -hmm. aside. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's why I like to take away any stigma. I mean, and we talk about this a lot with mental health, like there shouldn't be a mental health stigma. Right. Um, But I think because like postpartum depression feels like, like, I think there's more of a lie in culture around the mom should have been able to prevent that or her enjoyment Mm -hmm. of mothering should have taken her out of this. It's just actually really not the case. And it's just like any other mental health crisis, except that it's following the birth of your child and it's, and it's very hormonal. So yeah. um, Yeah. That's, that's kind of depression, but also postpartum anxiety is very common. Um, And I've done a bit more studying on the anxiety piece and how it relates to oxytocin. Um, and I, I don't know a lot of clinical answers. So I'll just say like on a less serious, like anxiety level. So now I'm not talking about like, uh, clinical postpartum anxiety. Um, but this is more anxiety that you can kind of control and mitigate. So, um, the role of oxytocin is to, like, we've been saying it bonds you to your baby. Yes. It helps with breastfeeding. It's responsible for your letdown of milk, but it's like that connection and love hormone. And there are Mm -hmm. things that we can do to boost it and things that we can do that actually decrease your oxytocin. So when your oxytocin is down, that's when you're feeling anxiety. That's when you're feeling a a bit of restlessness. That's when you might not be able to sleep very well, or you've for some reason cleaned your house when you're exhausted instead of rested, you know, um, in there, in there, baby's napping. And I just went through my house, like a tornado and obsessively cleaned everything. And now I'm going to cry because I am so tired. And you and did it super fast because you knew the baby was going to wake up. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so 
on what uh, oxytocin high feels like, we've kind of covered already. It's mm-hmm. that, you know, it's peace and it's joy. One of the ways that you can decrease your oxytocin into feeling those levels of anxiety is um, by actually thinking logically and in like a masculine brain type of way. So for instance, um, when I had to pump for the first time after the birth of my daughter, I had to read the manual and it overwhelmed me. I couldn't oh, do it. I remember it that. required logical step-by-step thinking, not to mention there's like 30 parts to a breast pump and it's just Ugh. actually insane. But it is. That, it's very it, intimidating. There's these like cords and like tubes and you're like, I'm sorry, what do I have right. to do? Yes. And so that I, I remember the actual feeling of like, wow, I feel anxious. I feel like I actually can't do this. I need my husband to read it, to set it up, to put it on me. Um, there was just this weird, like inability to do that, like masculine type thinking. And then on the other hand, oxytocin boosting is like the feminine brain thinking it's intuition it's not overthinking sometimes there's that choice of like okay I could I could think logically and start doing a tally of how many diapers my baby has had today Um, I'm going to use my app and chart that it was on the right side for seven minutes and on the left side for eight minutes and that was two hours and seven minutes ago and all of a sudden your milk is going to be dropping because you are so obsessed with numbers and thinking and logic and you're not just looking at your baby and saying if they're awake and a little fussy they're hungry because they're eight days old but you're saying no the science says that it hasn't been three hours, so I'm not going to feed. And, and you can literally feel the difference of um, those, those different types of thinking. And wow. so I always want to encourage women, put your phones down, stop keeping counts, um, just notice. And that's mm-hmm. where your intuition is going to grow. And if somebody asks you a question about how many this or that, say, my husband's keeping track. And I'm not, and that's good because you're just being present um, and you're allowing the oxytocin to come up instead of down from overthinking, it's coming up and then bam, your breasts are nice and full and you've got all the milk you need and you're not going to be worried about your next feeding. Wow. Okay. So that, that sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> just like, just from, I, I don't want to play devil's advocate here just yeah. a little bit, but so that was like totally what I wanted to do. I was like, and, and I was, I had all these goals of exclusively breastfeeding. Right. So I, yeah, came home from, came home from the hospital. She had like dipped in her weight just a little bit. Um, but my milk hadn't come in and I wasn't worried about it. Cause I had a C-section and everyone was like, your milk comes in later. So it's really fine. And I was like, all babies lose weight. And all babies lose weight. And I was anticipating that. And it it was, she only lost 7%. So it wasn't, they weren't concerned. I wasn't concerned. We weren't concerned. She was just extremely fussy, which is like, I'm like, this is great. This is fine. Just put her on the boob, you know, like we're just, we're switching off. And then two days after she came home, um, we were all, I, all I wanted to do or all she wanted to do was eat. And so I was like, this is great. My milk is going to come in. Like everything's going to be great, you know? And, um, and just like, so ambitious with that. And, and then after that, that's not what happened. Like it didn't, it didn't happen in that way. So I, I just, I just am saying that to say like, yes, that like the whole 
like the science behind that is like awesome and wonderful because we do need to just like disconnect and be like present with our, with our baby. And then sometimes that even doesn't like things don't happen in the way that they're supposed to happen either, right. you know? And I guess I'm just saying that. Cause that's still something that I'm processing. Like I just need to, as, as like this new mom, I'm like, I got to give myself grace with that. Cause I did everything that I could in that. That's just, that's just what came to mind there. But mm-hmm. you're so, you are so absolutely correct that we do just need to be connected with the baby like that. And again, that's the, that is the, the connection that the Lord has set into place. Like he created us to have a connection with this person that came out of us or, or that, that we adopted (laughs) that, that, that by this, by this beautiful miracle, we have this baby with us and, and the Lord is going to make that connection and show us what, what to do, how to feed them, when to feed them, all of that. And all of those, um, just the time of learning what you're saying, our brains are shrinking so that we can learn that stuff. Right. Man, we got to give ourselves grace. I'm preaching to myself, obviously. Well, yeah. And it's a mess. I mean, everybody needs that message. Yeah. Um, I think in, in cases like yours where there just wasn't enough like milk supply and there needed to be like extra, they're just, you know, that, um, that tension is really real. It's like, I want to find where that breakdown is. Cause it's not your body. It, well, no, some it wasn't actually, necessarily your body, although it could, it could be, but they, they, they actually, the, I I've been to, I, I like got blood work done. Like I did, I, and I, part of me is like, I want to say all the things that I did so that I can prove that I did all the things, <laughs> which is just like, Oh, performance. Me. Right. Yes. And we want to justify everything. I, so I have over justified Absolutely. But yes, no, you're not doing that. You're just telling a story. Okay, I'm, so in pro- I'm in process. Yes. I'm in process. Um, and yeah, so like they actually, they actually thought like this could be insufficient glandular tissue. Like yeah. that's part of that's, that's what they, what they thought. And they're like, you could take medication for that. I'm choosing not to do that. Um, and just like releasing it. I we're you know, we're doing what we can do. So, um, anyway, so, so it could be my body. That's the yes. thing like yes. physically. And then, and then I've gone through this, I've gone through this thing of like, okay, so what's wrong with me? Like, why, you know, why isn't the connection happening? That's supposed to be happening when it's not her. It's not my daughter. It's not her. She doesn't have a tongue tie. She has great latch, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, this is turning into a counseling session, Ashley. So oh, I don't feel <laughs> that way. What I was going to say though, was, you know, I think that it could be an institutional thing. Like the practices at hospitals have a huge effect on, on breastfeeding, you know, whether or not, you know, how much skin to skin time you get or Mm -hmm. how quickly you get skin to skin, how quickly your baby latches. Yeah. Um, Did your, you know, this is kind of more of an old practice, but like, did the nurses take the child and put them in a nursery? That doesn't really happen Mm -hmm. anymore, but that used to affect breastfeeding a ton, like, you know, decade, two decades ago. Yeah. Um, So there's that level, but then there's also like, it's probably pretty historic, like throughout the history of women. I mean, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, as long as we've been alive, yeah. we have had one another to support in breastfeeding. And yeah. so we, 
puts so much pressure on Ellie's body and on my body to have enough milk for our babies. But there was a time when you didn't need to have enough milk for your baby because your neighbor had enough milk for your baby. Right. And it was just so much more normal to be like, oh, my baby is so fussy. Can you help? And they'd say, yeah, I've, I've, I, I need to do that. I would love to help feed your baby. Right. And um, I don't know that we need to go back to that, but milk sharing is becoming a lot more common now, which I love because and I, it's amazing and we should share it. It's an amazing resource and it's free, thankfully, right now for the most part. I am happy to say that I am the recipient of some of, of milk sharing and I am incredibly grateful yeah. for, for the I, I have a, a few moms that have been generous enough to give me their milk and it is freaking liquid gold y'all it like is. it is it is magic yeah. it's magic yeah and now that so many people are pumping nowadays too we kind of see these people who have like an oversupply of milk and so we've got I think we've always yeah. had this mix in um in humanity where there's people who have maybe just a little bit less and people who have a little bit more. And now it's just a bigger deal because, yeah, because we just put that pressure on ourselves to be the sole provider of, mm. of milk. And I don't know, I don't know how God intended it to be. I mean, very few women can't breastfeed whatsoever. Like that is very rare. Yeah. Um, but I think it's pretty common and shouldn't be so weird that some people just need to supplement. It's like, no wonder. Yeah. I mean, when you right. consider, like I said, um, the interventions that happen at a hospital and the fact that, so this is an interesting fact that I just will shout out here because it fits so well. Breastfeeding is the only biological function that requires social support in order to work. So not only, whoa, like, yeah. Okay. Say more. <laughs> There's so of everything that our bodies are made to do, nothing is dependent on other people to be able to do that, except for the ability to breastfeed. You cannot do it in isolation. Yeah. Um, it's physically impossible to like, have never seen anyone do it. And then to be able to successfully do it. And, and you wonder why breastfeeding sometimes we don't meet our goals for it because right. when have we actually seen other women breastfeed? I mean, we're so private. We've got all these covers <laughs> and then, you know, breastfeeding shaming. Oh, you do that in a room or you just certainly cover it up. And thankfully, like, you know, let's free the breast on breastfeeding moms, because for goodness sakes, like it's actually a gift to all of society. I think to see that this is a natural thing that yeah. like we need to witness so that we can continue to pass it on. And this is the, the reason why we have breasts. Thank you very to, much. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know how many friends that I have seen actually latch their, their babies to their breast, but there's so many different ways to do it. And yeah. And so. you, you, so, I mean, as a postpartum nurse, like that's mm -hmm. probably the, like one of the most amazing gifts that you get to provide oh, yeah. for, for people in the hospital that, yeah. that they're like, they need help latching. And you're like, you're right there. You're like, uh -huh. I mean, that's the yeah. big part of the, it's the a nursing job. job. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours just about breastfeeding and it's such a funny thing to like be passionate about, like getting hands on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
how much can I help you? Because I would love to help you so much, but I also want you to learn how to do this intuitively, but also like I'm right here and I yes. have hands and I know that your hands need to hold your baby, but my hands could hold your breast and yes. help you. And, uh, it's just so funny, but that's, yeah. that's so cool. I mean, cause that is, that is a huge part of the postpartum mm-hmm. journey. If that's, if, you know, if that's something that you're choosing to do and breast milk is magic again. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of like leading this back into like how yeah. experiences help like actually do affect like outcomes. Um, breastfeeding and anxiety are very yeah. closely attached. Um, and so setting yourself up for breastfeeding success is like helping to plan um to not experience as much anxiety, if you can, to the extent that you can, like we're saying, yes, like you can yes. actually plan for everything. But even just understanding that correlation and saying, like, oh, no wonder I'm so anxious. Like, I I'm having a difficult time feeding my baby, and actually, biologically, yeah. this is like uh, this is a struggle that's in my body, and so you feel that. Um, I mean, I can remember some of the times of. I mean, even. I will say even now I will start to feel anxious if I haven't fed my baby in a while, because instinctively my body is saying you have a human being to care for their survival depends on you. And nobody tells you how much pressure that is until you, and then you're waiting for your baby to wake up. Are you going to be hungry? Or even I'm just at target and I'm like, okay, she's 15 months old. Why do I have a letdown right now? Like this shouldn't still be happening, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's like, oh, okay. You just stop and notice and say, okay, well, I'm just going to honor that my body is, you know, yeah, just wired to to support a little human. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's going great, but yeah, to just let, like, let those kind of ups and downs happen and just say, okay, kindness, kindness to self, right. Kindness to self. And to, to kind of position your life. Um, my, the, the very first episode of this podcast series, I talked with my mom about her experience of, of being a mother and, mm-hmm. and she, um, she, quoted us, um, a scripture from Proverbs that says those who plan for peace find joy. And, um, and I think that is, and that, that was really, she had just kind of discovered that recently, but I think that really kind of circles back to this conversation. Absolutely. I mean, about oxytocin that when we, when we plan for peace in our lives, um, you know, if we're, if we're struggling with anxiety, if it's like, you know, a lot of times I get, I, I, I feel anxious about the idea of pumping. Cause I'm, I'm still pumping around five times a day and, wow. and, um, and working and still breastfeeding my daughter. Yeah. And, um, and so that, and sometimes I have to say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to pump right now because mm-hmm. I'm, that doesn't feel peaceful to me because <laughs> yeah. I feel like a cow and, yeah. you know, I mean, there's just, there's these moments. I think we need to prioritize peace And when we plan for that, joy is going to be the outcome. And we need, the Lord designed that to, to be a part of the bonding process with your, with your baby, but also for your own mental health to, um, to be experiencing joy in this season of postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. And what is so great, like, you know, when getting your baby to breast or even just sitting down to pump, when your letdown happens and your oxytocin comes, I mean, I can still palpably feel my shoulders relax and I sink a little deeper into my chair 
And honestly, it's kind of addicting. And it's why I'm still breastfeeding. It I can plan on these like little bursts of just peace. Hmm. You look down at your pump and you see the milk that it's collecting and you just thank the Lord for it. Or you look yeah. down at your baby and their peaceful eyes that are maybe starting to close a little bit. And you're like, oh, I am nurturing this tiny human. And yeah. like, and I get a reward in doing it. Like, because God wanted me to like this. So he allowed mm, oxytocin so to come and flood it, like flood my blood you know, I mean, it's just, it's so cool. It's that like- is beautiful. That's so beautiful. So the season, you know, yeah, that this did turn into a conversation around breastfeeding, but, <laughs> but in the postpartum period, like you can have those oxytocin releases, even mm-hmm. if you're, even if you're, you're feeding with formula, I believe that, that, that oh, there's yeah. that, that connection holding your baby. I mean, sometimes just like And I, and because we are feeding with a bottle too, I can be like looking in her eyes. Mm -hmm. And that is a really beautiful thing that I've been like, oh my gosh, I don't get that when I'm breastfeeding her, Mm -hmm. we're making eye contact right now when I'm giving her this bottle. And it's, that's a beautiful connection where I've just been like, oh, I love you so much where, and then I can thank the Lord. Okay. I have this, I still have this experience of bonding with my baby and thank you for making that broader. Yes. Cause it is, it is broader. It's, it's yeah. connection. And yes, that, I mean, I breastfeeding is such a tangible example, but that is a connecting moment and you feel it in your body and just whoosh, like being present yeah. to what that feels like. And yes, if it's um, holding your baby close and feeding them formula, I mean, that is so connecting. Your baby yeah. is associating you with care, nourishment, mm-hmm. love, holding, touching, um, meeting a need. It's absolutely bonding. And, you know, if you're not feeding your baby, or if you even don't have your baby to hold, if you've adopted or lost, there are so many ways that we can feel this rest, rush yes. of oxytocin. Cause I think that hormone is like such a gift from the Lord. And it's just doing something that brings you peace and joy. And, um, yeah, so it's like, it's more than self-care, but it's like, if you're taking really good care of yourself, you're planning in things to your schedule that bring you peace and joy. And, um, that'll boost your, your resiliency. I mean, I think the more oxytocin Mm -hmm. you have, the more resilient that you can become. And, um, that's so good. And we can, we can just circle this right back to how you've started it and saying, this isn't about glorifying our own bodies. This isn't, this is actually about glorifying our creator and the one that designed it this way. Thank you, Lord, for giving us oxytocin and this beautiful, this beautiful hormone to, to bond with our baby, to bond with our husbands, to, to have, um, to have connection and love and joy in this season. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's just so beautiful. I want, um, what, what would you, what would you say kind of just as a closing thing to, um, postpartum, postpartum moms out there that may be struggling, um, maybe to find some hope, um, and just maybe feeling alone in this season. What would you say to those mamas? Yeah, I would just say that, um, take really good care of each thought that you have. Um, I think now is such a good time because, life might be a little bit slower for you to take each thought captive and to just bring each thought to the Lord and say, 
Lord, is this what's true about me? Or is this what's true about you? And is this how you want me to feel or think? And to just have conversation with the Lord um, and just start asking questions. I think you'll find really quickly that um, he would love to change your perspective if you're feeling sad or hopeless because we, the truth is that there is so much hope um, for you that seasons change, circumstances change, but our God is the same forever. And he wants to meet us in, in every season, whether postpartum feels like a bit of a valley to you, or if it feels like a mountaintop, he's, he's there to have that conversation with you of what is in this for me? Because I know that you have something. Um, you're so generous. You give good gifts. Like, what do you want to give to me today? And yeah, he's just going to be faithful to, to answer and to provide hope. Um, and yeah, ultimately to grow you and to change you for the better through through postpartum, which I would say is my favorite thing about postpartum. It's a beautiful transition. Um, it'll change you, I think, for the better if you let it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. I so appreciate your expertise, your your um, just your wisdom with this, but your personal experience too. And then yeah, just all, just this whole conversation was really insightful and beautiful for me. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was so good to talk to you about all this stuff and we could go on and on. We really could actually, (laughs) we really could, (laughs) but I really appreciate you taking this time. Thank you. Thanks for asking me.